The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Another weekend, my friends. And, well, some pretty good performance out of the market, I must say, this week. And, well, uh, November was okay. And December, for the most part, the probabilities are uh, it'll uh, at least remain stable. Uh, but 2023 is just around the corner. I have to say, I'm feeling a little chilly about the year. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Jack, you know, you know, I've chatted <laughs> about this stuff every day uh, in the office. And, uh, you know, honestly, Jack, kudos to you. Kudos to uh, the team. Uh, I have to say, you know, we, we are getting very close to break even on our returns for this year. Uh, you know, call it down 2% on the year. And in such a dire year, uh, to be down 2% is a huge victory. Uh, I, I truly feel like celebrating this year. And again, Jack, you and I are coming off of three 20% plus years, which are excellent. But I don't feel as... Uh, Satisfied as I do this year, as my kids would say, that's very satisfying, Daddy. Uh, it is satisfying. Eh? It, well, it is, Wolf. And the fact is, those three years, a lot of people were having market gains, right? The market was up. S and P five hundred was up in and around twenty percent. Nasdaq was outperforming. So we were just basically keeping in line with some of the the most aggressive, high performing indexes, which is good. We, we were outperforming because we we're Canadian investors. TSX was lagging in twenty twenty one, but um, the, the fact is, right now, you know, our house is worth more than our neighbors, meaning we've gone down a lot less than most people in the market. S&P's down 15, NASDAQ's down 30. We're flat. Not a bad not a bad place to be in a yeah, very, think, very tough market. I think down 2.5%. And the TSX... I call that down. flat wolf. It is, it is, but I, I don't want to mislead. <laughs> I, I want to be as, as transparent as possible. Again, we are in the business of money. We want to be as pure and as honest about it at all times. I don't, anyone ever questioning uh, our integrity. Never, never. I, I don't have time for that. But uh, uh, I would say the negative feeling going into 2023 is maybe a lot of recency bias. There's a lot of negativity out there, a lot of negative <laughs> sentiment. The S&P 500 was down 27% this year. In my books, that's, you know, discounting a, a meaningful recession in 2023. Market is forward-looking. The question is, are we headed towards a soft landing where the, the Fed sort of sticks a, a decent landing or maybe break something and go a little harder than everyone's expecting? Uh, look, uh, our next guest, uh, Aubrey, uh, from uh, CI Global Asset Management. Uh, Aubrey Hearn, uh, Vice President and Senior Port Portfolio Manager. He's joined CI Asset uh, Management in 2005. He's been uh, working on Bay Street for over 15 years. Uh, and lots of runway, I must say, uh, in front of you. Uh, you're still a very, very young man, Aubrey. I'm jealous of your youth. Um, but kudos to you. You have enough experience now. And obviously, uh, they like you a lot at CI. You, you manage what just under what or just over four billion dollars of assets so you know what's going on i look at your numbers your 10-year return well over 10 percent on, on all the mandates i'm looking at here excellent results there so uh, let's spend some time with you aubrey i want to talk to you about 2023 and uh, welcome to hi-fi radio well, perfect, and, and thanks, Wolf and Jack, for having me on today. An it's an absolute, absolute pleasure. Again, uh, for those who don't know, Aubrey used to work very, very close to a good friend of ours, Sandy McIntyre, uh, back in the days at Century. Uh, Century, of course, was taken over uh, by CI. But, um, Aubrey, uh, Jack and I spent some time with our chief strategist, uh, Tony Dwyer. I'm sure you know who Tony Dwyer is. And he's quite concerned about 2023, uh, especially considering uh, the bull 
move, call it a, a bear market rally or a sort of new bull market, call it what you want, and uh, it'll only be truly labeled once uh, we are well in front of it or well through it. Uh, but uh, he's, you know, with the move we've had, uh, there's not a whole lot of upside left. And he is expecting with labor market conditions to uh, worsen coming into 2023, uh, hence affecting earnings as well. He'd be more of a, he didn't say seller, but he certainly said you you want to be much more cautious in here. Wait for a good pullback and then set the deck for, I think, longer term investment horizons. In other words, he's he's thinking maybe the S&P gets down to 3,300. Right now it's at 4,000. The 3,300 point he thinks would be an excellent entry point for mid to longer term investors. Aubrey, what's your thought on 2023? Yeah, so I think I'd be slightly more positive than that, just given that uh, your intro there in terms of the the negative returns that we've experienced thus far in 2022, uh, to your point, you know, flat is just, just amazing performance relative to uh, what some of the indices have done. So thank you. But consequently, I think that a lot of the, the bad news has been priced in and, and really that bad news comes from a variety of different factors. Of course, you know, inflation being a, a big one. Um, and but if you look at some of the inflation data and if you look at some of uh, Powell's commentary earlier in the week, it looks like that the Fed is in pause mode, which I think is great um, for the markets, and hence we've seen you know a good a good pushback or a good uh, uh, some good returns this week in the markets, and I think you know that bodes well for 2023 as well. And so we'd be more in the soft landing camp, hmm. and I think you know as you suggested that the the market tends to look on a forward looking basis uh, as a discounting mechanism. So if you think along those lines. Uh, we feel that at some point during 2023, absolutely agree. I think there will be recession. But if the recession is shallow, people will start looking towards the end of 2023 and perhaps onwards to 24 with some some better economic news and thus willing to put higher multiples on on some of the 2024 numbers. So that's that's how we're we're thinking about it uh, on our team. Again, this year was the year when the stock market and the bond market and many other markets, i.e. global currency markets, uh, receded significantly. NASDAQ down over 30%, S&P at its peak to trough down 27%. That is discounting or did discount a lot of bad news. Uh, and just this morning, Aubrey, Jack and I were talking about the potential for soft landing. Jackson, the hard landing camp. I'm sort of flirting with soft landing because I'm thinking maybe the Fed has gotten it pretty good, not right, but better than the street because the street, I think, is expecting uh, something to break uh, and for the Fed to go too far and create uh, a deeper recession uh, than is otherwise necessary. Um, but that said, we got to be very, very respectful of the environment. Yes, 2023 is the third year of a presidential cycle. That's good. Uh, January tends to be a, a good month. February, not so good, but March, another good month. So we're still in the sweet spot from a seasonal perspective. Uh, the question is, uh, the labor market, when the Fed actually does pivot, because the labor market remains very, very tight and wages continue to be pretty sticky. And we need, we, again, the theory is labor has to break before they can stop raising interest rates. What do you think of that, Aubrey? Yeah, I, I agree with that fully, Wolf. So, and, and I think on that front, you know, there, there's, some good mo- uh, there's some good news for sure in that, uh, well, not, not necessarily good news for the economy, but in terms of the wage rate inflation. So if you look at uh, technology companies, for example, Amazon, uh, Meta, if you look at uh, Google, 
you know, if you look at Stripe, there's a number of layoffs that's been announced in in the last few weeks, and huh. and largely largely that's a result of um, of just lower spending, lower capex, and a, a more conservative consumer. Um, so I think I think that'll flow through the economy. You know, less capex will will result in in less spending from uh, from from other companies, which you know, as the consumer tightens up and the layoffs increase, I think all that plays into a lower inflationary environment. So uh, I think that could be a good news story where, you know, we're not anticipating hmm. that the unemployment rate uh, goes up materially from the 3.6 it is today. However, if in fact it, it does tick up, the, the labor market becomes less less tight. I think that reduces the, the bargaining power of, of, of employees and thus can take some of the sting out of some of the wage growth that we've seen in the last um, in the last uh, few few months. So I think, again, that could be like a more of a, a peaky type of number. And in turn, you're going to see some lower wage rate going uh, rates going forward, which which would be uh, good for the inflation picture. Yeah, if you're just tuning in, we got uh, Aubrey Hearn on from uh, CI Global Management. Um, Jack and I read a good piece. We, we have a, a partner at Canaccord, uh, Aubrey. It's called uh, Morgan Stanley. Uh, so we have great access now to their portal, shall I say. Brilliant, brilliant authors uh, at that company. I'm, also just, I'm delighted to have them as a partner. They helped me out a lot. But um, uh, Morgan, Mor- Morgan wrote some good work this week saying that the stock market is disconnected from the real economy when it comes to technology. What it means is the S&P 500 was flirting with, what, 25 30% tech weighting. There is a NASDAQ, which is primarily tech. Uh, tech dominates, is a driving force of the public markets. But in the real economy, it is less than, I think, 1% of the real economy working in true IT. So the layoffs that they announced, what, Amazon 10,000, Apple 10,000, that will not really affect the real economy a whole lot. It's truly only 20,000 layoffs in the grand scheme of things. I would say the other point that I would make, Wolf, is the fact that technology overhired throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So all these layoffs that are making the, the headlines right now, if they go through as expected, maybe takes them back to 20, 2019 or 2020 levels. So lots of layoffs, but it's because they had people that were not productive. Money was cheap. They didn't actually do what corporations are supposed to do is call individuals that aren't actually productive in their, within, their, um, within their company. Uh, Aubrey, I have to ask you, I'm looking at your uh, fun facts, and again, it is old, it, it's as of June, uh, and I know obviously you do uh, uh, you know, participate in a bit of turnover in your portfolio. Um, are you still long the FANG stocks? You, your number one position was Alphabet, aka Google. Uh, your number 10 position was Amazon, and your number seven position was um, Meta. Uh, we exited, by the way, all three of those positions. Um, are you still long? Uh What's, what's because they obviously do look a lot cheaper, and they certainly look. I just look at Okta today. What a bounce in the in, in, in that security software. Okta up some twenty percent on a slight beat. Uh, so these things can turn when they do turn. It'll be violent. Uh, I don't want to miss them, but I, I was I'm, not, I'm was, not there yet either. And I'm just curious. What's what's your take on those three on those three positions? Are you still dominant in your portfolio? Yeah, yeah, they are Wolf, and I think you know you made some some great points there. And, and Jack, you mentioned something that was interesting as well, just in terms of. You know the overhiring, if you will, in the last uh, couple of years uh, from some of the tech players, and I think you know that that could act as a, a cushion or support for earnings in 2023. Because I mean, let, let's face it, mm. uh, Amazon went out and hired literally 800,000 people uh, wow. in the last couple couple of years, and you know they, wow. they have an algorithm that would suggest that the the, the revenue growth that they've experienced uh, in, during the pandemic would continue. And of course, there's been some great structural growth 
for Amazon, but it didn't continue at the rapid pace that we've seen in 2020. So they're laying people off. But just just think about the, uh, the the amount of people that they can let go at some of these organizations. And you know, I think they're uh, taking a, a finer uh, look at at some of the, those layoffs because they are under pressure from investors. To your point, stocks are down anywhere between 30, 40, 50 percent. So I think I think uh, those are, are great opportunities now. Not all fangs are created equally. So we would have uh, more of an overweight and, and more optimism towards uh, Alphabet as well as Amazon. And uh, j- just the, just the thought there again is that I feel that they've been um, unduly kind of bucketed with with the Nasdaq names. And you know I get it. And, and, and to your point, it's been a tough year for Nasdaq. But keep in mind these companies literally make tens and tens of billions of dollars. They have. You know, in, in the case of Alphabet, over 100 billion of cash in the balance sheet. So that's very different from a, hmm. a tech company that you know doesn't make any earnings or just trades on a EV to revenue basis and may make some money down down the road. So I think for those two names in particular, you know, it's going to be a great 2023. Yeah, and Microsoft is a name I'm flirting with. I, I'm not there yet, but again, what a great company continues to grow. You know, in the in, in the mid double digits, about 10, 15, 18 percent. Uh, great cash generator. And you're right, these companies, for tech companies of such size, they're not expensive. The question is, the market doesn't want them right now. But we're going to take a quick break, get back with Aubrey. I want them. Uh, Aubrey manages over $4 billion. Uh, I like hanging out with guys like Aubrey because this is how I learn. Well, and try to keep keep it even. That's what it's all about in 2022. Uh, quick break, get right back to Hi-Fi Radio 640, Toronto. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. When I'm up, I can't get down, can't get down, can't get level. When I'm up, I can't get down, get my feet back on the ground. When I'm up, I can't get down, can't get down, can't get level. Little great big C. Yeah, I think they changed those lyrics, those Maritimers, if they worked on Bay Street, they'd get down. Don't worry. The market will take you down. Hey, Aubrey, you know what I'm talking about. Aubrey Hearn from CI Global Asset Management, a fine, fine maritime. In fact, no one knows us. He's from Newfoundland. That's right. A Newfoundlander is managing money here on Bay Street, and kudos to him. Salt of the earth people. I'll tell you one thing, honesty. Hey, that's the first thing when I think about a maritime is a good, honest person. And that matters in money management, doesn't it, Aubrey? Yeah, I like to think so. And, I, uh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, indeed. I like, I like the song. I, hopefully that's, uh, that, that song will bode well for 2023 up and can't get down. So we'll see. <laughs> I hope it does. Hey, let me ask you, since we start uh, 2023, just for fun, uh, U.S. over Canada or Canada over U.S.? I go U.S. over Canada. Just, oh. uh, I, think, uh, I think tech, I might be biased, I manage more U.S. names, uh, but just tech has been so dislocated this year in 22 and Again, I get it. It's the interest rates and high growth stocks, and, and consequently, you know, those get hit disproportionately hard. But I, I think the, as the inflation uh, back, inflationary backdrop starts to seed, I, I believe that people will become more constructive with putting higher multiples. Like you mentioned, Microsoft before the break. Yeah, I you know I pulled the tr- trigger on that one, Wolf. Right you sold, now. you sold, you sold it, or you bought it? No, I, I, I would buy it today. I you buy it today? Yeah. On, yeah, absolutely. It's just you know, it's it's not a, an inexpensive stock. Uh, nope. It, it only it only 
but but it still only trades at 24 times earnings. But if you believe that um, interest rates are kind of capped here and they're not on this continuous upward trajectory, I, I believe that uh, there's a lot of upside for a company like that that can grow, you know, mid-teens. So, uh, so yeah, so, so, so just given that tech weight, um, I think that, uh, you know, the S&P 500 will do better than the TSX next year the, the issue again and jack and i've been flirting with this um you know is this like 2000 uh where tech went into a wreck and it was a long-lived wreck microsoft was dead money for almost a decade uh likewise with amazon and you go down the list and they finally woke up in in mid 2020s uh and away they went uh trading at once again excessive valuations uh again yeah microsoft amazon Alphabet, uh, they all trade at a PE price earnings ratio, uh, which is amazing. <laughs> Have about what twenty five, uh, whereas mm. most tech was trading at a price to sales of thirty. Uh, not not most tech, Wolf. I can say the high growth tech was the, so the, the, the snowflakes of the world. So you have to put that into perspective. Duck, but, but DocuSign uh, wouldn't that, have been quite as high, maybe twenty. But the the point is, mega cap tech. That was last decade's theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, mega cap tech is still, I'm going to guess, around 25% of the S&P 500. So what we're hearing from our strategist, Aubrey, is you're looking at more equal weight um, S&P 500 as opposed to uh, index weight because there's still a disproportionate amount going towards those mega cap names, 25 20%, something like that. Just like Wolfgang was talking about in the previous episode, that's disproportionate relative to the earnings of the market and the U.S. economy. What would you say to that? Yeah, so I, I think I think it's good to to split it up in terms of the mega cap names. I just think we're talking about two different things. Where uh, the Amazons and Microsoft, some of the names that we discussed today, putting out billions and hundreds of billions of dollars of free cash flow and earnings. And so I, I don't think the the market is multiples are very demanding on those names. In fact, if you're to look at some of the mega cap tech names, uh, they're growing probably you know three four times faster than the S and P five hundred, but you know, maybe have a, a 30, depends on which name we're talking about, a 30, 25, in some cases, a market multiple. So they're not really trading that much materially higher than the market, but at the same time, uh, they're growing three or four times faster. So I think that's a good place to be. But, you know, some of the other names you mentioned, like Zoom and, and DocuSign and Snowflake, you know, sometimes even if a, a stock is down 60, 70%, doesn't mean it's good value. And in fact, <laughs> you know, some of those net number, some of those names I would 100% agree are still you know, massively overinflated. The, the multiples are still too high. And I think there's the, it could be the tech wreck could continue for, for those types of uh, companies, just given that profitability is not, is not uh, coming anytime soon. But uh, in terms of the mega caps, I, I'd be willing to, to, to add to those types of positions, just given the, the cash flow levels there. I'm just kidding. I have to look back one day, just anecdotally, uh, and you, you may know this, Aubrey. Um, coming out of the tech wreck in 2000, uh, IBM sort of, at the time appears would would appear more like an Amazon, Google, Microsoft today. Uh, how did it do when tech was wrecking? Did, did IBM attract some of that money? Yeah, so that IBM held in held in better yeah. uh, because it didn't have the kind of the demonstrable valuation levels of some of the other names. But it, it can get caught in the trade, so to speak. And but there's other names like, like Cisco is a is often cited as a name where it traded at. Uh, to your point, Jack, it was, I don't know, 100 times sales and yes. didn't do anything for a couple of decades. So I, I can see that. For, for, and there's, there's Cisco's of the world today, I would argue, again, like Zoom and DocuSign, Snowflakes and many others that would, would fit that bill. Um, ho- however, you know, other companies like an IBM back then actually did materially better, although, of course, they had their own issues later in the decade. 
Uh, I never quite recovered from that. But, but I do think there's there's light at the end of the tunnel for, for the Amazons, for uh, or even Apple. I think that's a little expensive here, frankly, but I think you could do okay in that. But for Amazon, Microsoft, and uh, Alphabet, I think they're, they're great buys here. Yeah, just with the end of free money, I would say, Aubrey, there has been a pivot, and it's towards technology. We still want to see the growth, but now we want to see profitable growth, and that's what the market is demanding, and that's what uh, is being rewarded right now. Um, and going back to your century days, you guys were very process-driven, so maybe we could dive into that a little bit. You guys are very cash flow-focused. Is that something you continue as a manager at CI? Absolutely. So the way we look at investing is we think about investing as a, as a business owner, Similar to Warren Buffett, it's, we're looking at discounted cash flows and pretending that we own the entire business versus watching a stock go up and down on a screen. And so we, we tend to look at free cash flow yields uh, of a business that, say, it's, say for, some, for Microsoft, for example, it's a 5 or 6%. And then in, in, turn, in turn, what can that free cash flow grow at? And then we build models based on, on our assumptions there, uh, conservative assumptions, and then we, we discount that back to the present. And if, if we get a you know, a big margin of safety or otherwise, you know, we, we feel like there's 30 plus percent upside in the name. We, we tend to take, we, we tend to buy. Um, the other thing we think a lot about is, is barriers to entry. And really that comes as a function of uh, buying companies that, that operate in oligopolies where it's very challenging for someone to get into the space to compete. And I think that's, that's uh, particularly important today, just given inflation and the numbers that we're seeing, I do think inflation will roll over. However, you know, I think it's going to be higher for longer, and thus you want to be investing in companies that, that aren't commoditized, that can, for example, like railways, you know, it doesn't matter if inflation is 6, 7, or 8, they're going to be able to pass that inflation along to their clients, just given that there's literally nowhere else to go to transport goods. And so we like those types of businesses in that environment, and we, we uh, continue to employ that strategy. Do you own that? It was funny. I was just thinking about the rails. As you were speaking about all the factors that you like to look for, I was just thinking about our two choo-choos here in Canada, and I own both of them across our mandate, CNCP. Uh, and you know, honestly, uh, Aubrey, unless valuation gets stretched for those names, because uh, in my career, I'm going to say the, the rails are traded always at about 20 times earnings. So the only time I would sell a rail is if it started trading at 30 or 40 times earnings and at a ridiculous levels. Uh, beyond that, I think they continue to have pricing power. Uh, they are great hedge against inflation. Zero competition coming at them. There's no, there, there will not be a third railway in Canada in my lifetime. And there also will not be one railway in Canada in my lifetime. I think it will stick at two railways. Uh, do you, so are, are you along the rails and the Canadian rails specifically, Aubrey? We are. Our, our preference, uh, Wolf, would be CP. And I think you highlighted some of the reasons as, as to why. Not a lot of competition. You're not going to build a, a railway anytime soon. You know, I'm not sure if the, the, the government could build much of anything right these days. You know, it can, build, it can build a luxury tax. That's coming at you, Aubrey. Well, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe an extra consumption tax, too. Yeah. But, uh, but so it, it's challenging to, to get some of these larger projects off the ground. And, I mean, look, what, what's interesting about the railways is that the customers come to them and that if you're building new industrial capacity or new uh, automotive plant, you're actually building it closer to the railways because this is, that's the cheapest, cheapest method to ship goods. So, uh, so uh, you know, they have embedded volume that way. And your, your point on, on pricing is a good one. You know, it has been an extremely challenging environment for inflation. And... Uh, but CP just, just keeps passing that inflation along. And then the final uh, kicker, I think, for CP, which is interesting, is that they're in the process of buying KSU, which is a, a, a railway that operates in the U.S. as well as Mexico. And Keith Creel is the, the head of CP and just does a, a fabulous job. He's worked under uh, uh, Hunter, uh, Hunter years ago as a CEO of CN. 
And so I think there's a lot of synergies that they're, they're, they're going to be able to take out of, um, of, of KSU. And in turn, I think that's going to dr- uh, drive outside earnings growth for uh, CP for the next three years. So uh, we, we like CP a lot right here. The funniest picture I remember of Warren Buffett, <laughs> hey, Jack, you showed it to me, is when Warren Buffett bought Burlington Northern. And then they took a photograph of him in front of his model train station, train set, and Warren Buffett playing with his new toy. <laughs> the whole railway bot, Burlington Northern. Uh, you know, he does a few things right. You got to admit, and I think, uh, Aubrey, you and I are on the same page with Buffettology, and Jack is a big fan of uh, Buffett as well. Uh, another stock I'm seeing here in your portfolio, and, and um, darling to um, almost dust, not quite, uh, is Brookfield. Uh, you own Brookfield Asset Management. You own Brookfield Infrastructure Partner. So do we. We also own uh, Brookfield uh, Renewable. Oh, you own Brookfield Business, but uh, Brookfield went bust this year. Everything Brookfield uh, has gone dead cold. It was a go-to name, finest management team, irreplaceable assets, pension-style investing, you know, cash flow generating. You go on, but the market right now is not impressed with uh, BAM and its subsidiaries. Uh, what's your thought? Yeah, so I, I understand why the market doesn't like the name, and I think it's uh, related to anything private equity. So you're seeing similar uh, trading activity in KKR, Blackstone, uh, in the US, Blackstone, yeah. Carlyle Group, you, you name it. It's been a tough year. Um, and and the, the rationale is that, look, I mean, debt levels, debt interest levels are higher. So it's, it's hard for private equity companies to fund deals because uh, they're going to borrow a lot of money to, to buy stuff. Like, I appreciate that. And then, and then in turn, uh, if you look at the, the equity market, it's really challenging from an IPO perspective, so it's hard for them to monetize assets. So I can appreciate those two concerns. However, if you were to think about Brookfield, even last quarter, they're, they're growing. Uh, their, their earnings are just distributable cash at about a 39% clip. Uh, people need to invest. As you know, uh, Wolf and Jack, they, they need to put their money somewhere. They can't just hide it under a mattress. And, and Brookfield has one of the best long-term track records around in private equity. So they're literally out there raising tens and tens of billions of dollars. They think they can get up to $100 billion in the next year or so. They're, they're sitting on over $100 billion of dry powder. And so th- this weakness in the market, whether it's public equities, whether it's uh, private companies having lower valuations, they're able to take advantage of that. So we think it's going to be uh, a solid uh, fundraising year for them. And uh, really, this environment should be a good environment for them to deploy some of that excess cash they have. And and then finally, on Brookfield Asset Management, they're actually spinning off the asset manager uh, in the coming days. And that's interesting because they kind of recognize the same value uh, that, that we do in that they think that the spinoff will create uh, uh, some of the parts that's, that's greater than the combined entity. And the reason there is that uh, this, this asset manager uh, that they have is only trading at about 11 times uh, earnings. And, and really, if you think about something that's growing, say 39 or 40 percent, that multiple doesn't make any sense. So uh, we, we like Brookfield Asset Management and, and we'll buy today for sure. Yeah, and I'm going to have to agree. It is a true and, and, and few, a true and few, Jack, buy and hold candidate, uh, you know, for the decade plus. And honestly, Aubrey, if, if I could find a portfolio that I, that I that it could have a turnover of zero, in other words, that I didn't have to sell a single position next year, I would find that to be absolutely euphoric. But, uh, well, uh, I like to pick up a bar of soap every now and then because, Aubrey, you know what happens with a bar of soap. The more you touch it, the smaller it gets. It's Hi-Fi Radio 640 Toronto. Back with Aubrey Hearn from CI Global Asset Management right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. 
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Don't do it, my friends. Don't jump. Take the mountain and just keep seeing. Marshall Tucker Band. Is that not cool? Aubrey, you like that? I love that. Yeah. Again. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. It's Hi-Fi Radio. We like to give you some fidelity as we set the table, well, for some talk about currency. Money, that is. Oil. You like oil, Aubrey? We don't invest too much in oil. We own some Enbridge. It's just uh, the nature of our investments. We tend to buy companies that generate more stable free cash flow and Mm -hmm. grow it over time. Um, We haven't had the best track record in determining what oil prices are going to be. And then, uh, you know, although admittedly it's a great backdrop for oil and gas stocks, but as we know, if, you know, oil prices were to fall, uh, oil stocks would, would hit, get hit dramatically and it's just very challenging for us to forecast that so it's, it's a very small weight in our portfolio and so i assume uh, commodities overall are not a big part of what you invest in no so we do a lot of uh, small cap investing as well so we run uh, actually a few billion on the small cap side we, we haven't talked too much about today and uh, given that you know you would expect for us to invest a lot it's given that it's more of a canadian focused fund in commodities however we, we tend to buy say companies like cargo jet like they ship overnight cargo uh, around the country. They have about 90% share of anything that you ship overnight through, say, for example, Amazon or UPS. And so as you can probably think about, like that company makes a lot of a lot of cash flow and is, is more predictable and dependable. There's barriers to entry and they're able to pass through inflation. Great so companies, great it, company. And so it's just easier to get your head around that. Do you, what about, do you own exchange income it. fund? No, we don't own that one, no. Yeah, that's another very, very interesting company, government contracts, uh, for up in the basically tundra, uh, all the remote parts of Canada, uh, me- me- medical services and the likes. A lot of surveillance too. Well. S- government surveillance. Ooh, yeah. um, uh, amazing what they can do with their surveillance business. We learned uh, international business for them tracking submarines and drug cartel and the likes. A very very interesting business. Again, very very much focused on generating stable free cash flow. Um, let's just let's stick in the land of your smaller cap businesses. Again, uh, I like smaller companies because over time, a smaller company can grow quicker than a large company. It's just mathematics. And therefore, you can actually make more money in small cap names than you can in large cap names. Friends at home, you know, honestly, if you make the returns of a large large cap market, you will be just fine. But every now and then, if you want to have some fun, you buy small cap. But no speculation. You guys don't spec, obviously, Aubrey. It's not what you do. You guys are buying businesses of quality. Uh, let's go down your list then of your small cap ideas. Uh, I see you got, again, Brookfield Asset Management uh, in there. So that's obviously a, a bit of a large cap slide in, I take it. Uh, you got Liberty Media. That's interesting. That's all, is it Malone's uh, family group, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so that one's an interesting one. It's, it's actually the, the Atlanta Braves. So you can buy the Atlanta Braves uh, as a public owner, and uh, which is not a bad deal given that they won the World Series last year. It didn't have so much luck this year, but it has done pretty well. And, and, and these are kind of the, the wonky things that can happen in small caps. So the, the, uh, the valuation for the Atlanta Braves uh, publicly went down to, call it 16 or 17 bucks. 
Um, however, there's the Forbes valuation for the Atlanta Braves, meaning that there's a valuation that uh, the, these types of franchises actually trade at privately. And, um, and, and it's around $33, actually, you know, a couple billion more than what the, the stock market was describing to. But it's been a challenging year for small caps. Uh, people generally what ends up happening is that they, they tend to sell small caps when there's fears of recession. But uh, overall, like we're even you know, more bold up on small caps than we are large cap tech. Just given that small caps today, they trade at about a, a 20% discount or 80% of large caps. And to your point, wow. Wolf, um, small caps outperform over time because they do grow faster. And generally, small caps trade at a 20% premium to large caps. So that means that right now, they're trading at about a 50% discount to where they would normally trade versus large caps. So we're, we're pretty bulled up on small caps right now. You know, it's funny, uh, Kathleen just finished, my wife, she finished reading Elton John's book. I bought it for her after we saw Elton John perform. And uh, he wanted to get in on the action. He bought himself uh, a soccer team, <laughs> his local soccer team. And they're actually bottom-ranked, completely bottom-ranked in the division. But he got very serious about taking mm-hmm. this team up, and he succeeded. Uh, Rod Stewart owns a soccer team as well. Um, and apparently during this World Cup, uh, I think one of the teams uh, was was up for sale or, or being bid around. Well, did, did you catch that story, Aubrey? No, it was interesting. Like, so there's there's a company. It wasn't the World Cup, but uh, so we own another company in the fund. Well, everyone would know it's Manchester United, one of the most infamous. That must uh, be the one. Yes, that was a story. Go carry on. Yeah, so it's exactly like the Braves. So so the the Forbes valuation for uh, and and internal valuations for Manchester United is around four billion. The stock went down to two billion, hmm. and so we're you know we're buying kind of hand over fist, and and, and you don't know when that's going to close. But there's so much private equity money out there, and we, we talked about in the last segment, Wolf. Um, there's a lot of cash flow. There's a lot of smart private money, and, and at some point they'll step in and say, well, this has just gone too much, and that these public valuations don't make sense. And so uh, the story there, we'll, we'll see if it'll actually consummate in a, in a deal. But the Glazer family, they're actually based in Montreal. Uh, they're they're just deciding that they kind of had enough. Um, they had some issues with Cristiano Ronaldo as well, and sort of going to sell the company. But uh, Chelsea was recently sold, and there's 250 bidders. So we'll see uh, how this process goes. But we think it'll be at a pretty healthy premium, certainly to the $17 that was traded out a few weeks ago. So it's a good news story. We're talking to the $6 billion man, Aubrey Hearn from CI Global Asset Management. Yep, this Maritimer manages $6 billion, and he does an amazing job. I'm looking at his numbers, fantastic. And I can tell he sticks to his knitting, which is, I think, key uh, when you're buying an asset manager. At least you know what you're getting. Uh, again, there's no free lunch on Bay Street. Um, but, my friends, that's what we have caught for. Stay tuned. <laughs> We're going to get right back to Hi-Fi Radio 640 in Toronto. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Ah, I love it. 
from the Lord above. Indeed. Gotta hold on. That's what investing, my friends, is all about. You gotta get on plan and stick with a plan. And that also includes saving. Never stop those contributions. Don't do it. Uh, Jack and I, all day long, really what we do is we read and read and read and read and read. We get information overload coming at us, but it's important. It's why we gather these nuggets of wisdom. And when we're tired of reading, we call guys like Aubrey and bring him on the radio show because uh, find out what he read for the last uh, number of weeks. But um, had a piece put up by Manulife. Simple stuff. And, you know, I like simplicity, and I, I know simple well, and I keep going back to simplicity. Uh, point number one, bear markets happen. Uh, 48-year-old uh, is claiming it's the seventh bear market in my adult life. They happen a lot. In fact, you can pretty much expect two bear markets every decade. I agree. For the rest of your life, I also agree. Number two, setbacks are the result of those bear markets. There's no strategy or level of sophistication going to guarantee you'll never experience a setback. Jack and I, well, we got lucky this year. We're close to even. I think that luck had some hard work to do with it, but by goodness me, I always warn my clients, you can expect your count at some point to be down, you know, 18 to 20%. It will happen. But if you stick with quality, it'll be a temporary position. Number three, cash is the oxygen of freedom. That's a pretty powerful statement, eh, Jack? But investors are sleeping well this year had a pile of cash. Um, certainly if you had a bunch of crypto, uh, you weren't sleeping so well. Number four, this one I like. Things change quickly, way quicker than we think. Aubrey, when I came into 2023 or two, as with Jack and I, we always start the year, well, how's the year going to play out? Well, you know, we'll see. It won't be too bad. We'll see. <laughs> you know, we, we waffle and we're okay. And right, let's go for some lunch and read some more. And, oh, my. Boy, oh, boy. I mean, we were, you, you, had to, you have to admit, you, you must have been taken by surprise. I think the central bank was taken by surprise by its own actions. 100%. It, 100%. Uh, so things did change quickly this year, didn't they, Aubrey? No, absolutely, Wolf, and I think it's a it's a good uh, point there, and kind of marrying those two thoughts together to stay invested. and And look, there's things come around the corner. I mean, no one would have predicted the, the Russia Ukraine crisis, and really, that I think that really led us to that next level of inflation, if you will. And I mean, look, think a couple of years back it was the it was the COVID that didn't have that in my crystal ball either. Uh, even the great financial crisis didn't have that one figured out either. So it, it's it's very <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly it. <laughs> I have a crystal ball on my desk to boot. And a Buddha. I like the Buddha better than the crystal ball. But but I think I think you know clients can can get confused in that, and and there shouldn't really be an expectation to figure out these these big events because I think the, the important thing to remember throughout all of that you would have compounded uh, wealth at you know high single digits depending on what index or, or close to double digits over the last twenty years. Just given that if you had stayed invested, if you averaged down in, in some of the tumultuous times during recessions, so I think. It is important just to stay invested and, and, of course, you know, follow the portfolios prudently, but but don't try to find the market. Yeah, I would just add in there, uh, Aubrey, the fact is that great financial crisis, COVID in 2020, inflation in 2022, the reason why those things move the market so much is because they weren't expected and they were not priced in. So going back to a couple of segments, margin of safety, margin of safety matters when investing, when with just your regular living expenses, live beneath your means save for a rainy day, all the fundamental stuff that we talk about is very important. Why? Because it allows you to get through these periods of time and allows you time to compound your money. Um, hey, I want to pivot around. You can laugh at me, Jack. And friends at home, uh, you know, uh, woe is me. First world problem I'm about to share with you. My first world problem was I went for out, out for a solo lunch. I like to do that every now and then to my favorite little counter and where I sit at the bar and I had a beautiful salad um, I had a beautiful plate of pasta and I had a beautiful glass of wine. And the bill was a beautiful $95 for lunch. 
It was a $95 lunch, Aubrey. Uh, that lunch used to cost me about $60. Uh, again, it's something I do once a month or so, and I'm, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to spend 60 bucks once a month, but $95, so there's a 50% pop in inflation. Of course, that flows right through the tipping as well. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. Um, and to the tax wolf, governments love inflation. And, and yeah, they, that's right, they do. <laughs> so uh, food inflation, again, I you know you're not a commodity guy, it's not, but you, you look at everything, Aubrey, I know that, and you have an army of people around you helping you look at everything. And if you don't look, they pick you up and turn you in the direction of it. I know they do. <laughs> uh, is this food inflation permanent? Uh, again, you're seeing reprieve in the two-by-fours, Aubrey. Two-by-fours came down. Um, I also bought a lobster, by the way, a fresh lobster. cost me $50. You're a maritimer. What do you think of buying a $50? And I had to carry the thing home. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to kill it myself. It was 50, 50 bucks. You should fly to Newfoundland. They're, they're much cheaper out there. <laughs> I think my uncle has some. But no, you're, you're right on inflation. <laughs> I, I, uh, my, uh, my wife and I had an anniversary dinner there uh, a couple months ago, and I think it came out to $250. And, and was like, well, thankfully, that only comes around once a year. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but on your point, yeah, I, I do think not the same levels uh, that, that we're seeing now, right? Depends on what, what food product you're referring to. Like you hear like butter's up you know, 20 to 30%, and you know, poultry's up uh, mid-teens, and you can kind of go through the, the cost that it, it took to uh, cook a turkey dinner versus last year is up 20-something percent. So I, I think that will subside, but some of these supply chain issues are, are real. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of exports that came uh, from Ukraine, from, from Russia for that matter. And I think from that perspective, you know, Canada is in a good spot in that they, they make barley, they make weed, and they make a lot of the things that come out of that region. But the unfortunate thing is there's still supply chain disruptions, although they are easing, um, and there's still, you know, inventory issues. So as, as uh as long as those are around, unfortunately, I think we're going to be paying more for anniversary dinners than uh, going out for lunches. Well, I'll give you a tidbit. Do not buy the squeezable condiments. Don't buy squeezable uh, mayonnaise. Kathleen did the comparison. Uh, 450 mil of Hellman's in a squeezable, $9. 500 mil in a jar, $4. So you get more, you pay half, but you got to use a spoon and wash it. Oh, my. Oh, my. Hey, Aubrey, Aubrey Hearn, I can't thank you enough, man. The full show dedicated to CI. Uh, I want to thank your team for, for allowing us to spend an hour with you. I know we pay, they pay a lot of money to keep you reading. Well, I hope we help you a little bit, at least if nothing else, a common man view on the world. Uh, great job with your, with, your, with your funds. You do an amazing job. Uh, excellent spending an hour with you, my good friend. I do want to wish you a great Christmas and prosper in 2023. Uh, CI Global Management, Aubrey Herm, Portfolio Manager, uh, all the best to you, my good friend. Jack, great job setting up the guests as always. I should say guest singular. Uh, you brought a star on the show yet again. Uh, friends, be safe. Any questions about money, WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. Reach out and we will reach back. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.